Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. FSN Radio. It's all about what's next. Go to FinancialSurvivalNetwork.com and sign up for your free weekly newsletter. You'll also get three free reports. The Financial Survival Network. It's all about what's next. Welcome. You're listening to the Financial Survival Network. It's Carrie Lutz. The date is 11-11-15. Draw whatever inferences you want from it so far. world hasn't ended yet, but there are several technologies out there that are shaking things up for sure. And John Rubino, you wrote a great article about free energy and also about what's going on in the EU with Portugal. Uh, is that any way to run a democracy? I don't think so. <laughs> John, it's good to talk to you again. I was away for a bit. Hey, Gary. Yeah, good to talk to you too. Well, um, interesting news out of Texas just lately on the uh, alt energy front. They, they've been slapping solar panels on basically everything down there and, and setting up windmills because they've got those planes where the, it goes on forever and the wind just blows. And, um, and so it's turning out that um, when set up that way in a hospitable place, solar and wind are actually extremely cheap. Um, right now, they've got um, wind power that's being given away by utilities because the wind tends to blow at night when people aren't using as much electricity and they've got too much of it. So they're, um, you know, as a marketing technique, they're giving it away. It's literally free on some nights. You can uh, you can run all your appliances, throw a big party and uh, burn all the lights and you don't have to pay a penny for power. I have a great um, story about that. Uh, that's what you call time of day billing because they'll give you the nights for free and then they will charge you a little bit more for the daytime hours, the peak hours and the game is get you to switch your consumption patterns to the evening hours when when there's less demand and the wind they can't store the energy so they basically just give it to you and that's 10 percent of texas's electrical generation coming from wind so con edison when i lived in new york had this thing called time of day billing and i said this is great i, I had a big house with like seven zones of AC, and it was costing a freaking fortune. So I said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get on this time of day billing where at night after nine o'clock, it was four and a half cents a kilowatt hour. During peak time, the rest of the day, it was 15 and a half cents. So I said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get this house freezing between nine and six when, when it switched back. I'm going to get the house five degrees colder than it normally would be. And, and I'm going to save a fortune because all my cooling, what I found was that if I got it down to 66 degrees, the house, that it didn't heat up again till three o'clock in the afternoon the next day. All right. It stayed cold. And I did this for like a couple of weeks and I'm so happy I'm saving money, John. And my kids and my wife had a total rebellion. We're freezing. You can't do this to us. Blah, blah, blah. This is terrible. You know, and that was the end of my experiment with time of day billing. So, uh, but yeah, <laughs> this really is free, but free because you have the electrical subsidy. Yeah. 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 Um 
right now, solar and wind aren't as cheap as they seem in terms of the headlines about them right now because they're subsidized. But the prices are plunging. So um, if they have another decade like the previous decade, um, they won't need subsidies at all. They will be by far the cheapest sources of electricity out there, at least in, in sunny, windy places like Texas. And that's a revolution. You know, um, with, with wind being abundant at night, you've also got solar being very abundant in the daytime. So you combine these two intermittent sources and you've got really cheap power across the, um, the, the clock. And as they keep getting cheaper, while fossil fuels bounce around, you know, they're, they're a little cheaper lately than they, uh, they have been in the recent past. But over time, they, they kind of bounce within a range. They aren't over a long period of time getting cheaper. So you're going to see these lines cross and solar and wind are going to dominate the energy market at some point out there. And the question is, what's the timing? Does it happen right away because um, solar and wind keep getting cheaper at the 5 or 10% a year rate that they have been in the past? Or does it take a little longer? And where do electric cars come in in all of this? You know, that's um, anybody who's driven an electric car knows they are really fun to drive. I've only driven a Nissan Leaf, which is kind of a lower end electric yeah. car. It's not a Tesla. But even that had my wife saying, oh, I want one of these. You know, can we get one right now? Can we just because <laughs> it was yeah. just a blast to drive. And, oh, and so great. when they're widely available and economic. I think you'll see huge demand for them, too. So there, there are a lot of pieces to the uh, alternative energy puzzle that have various kinds of timing. And it's not clear how they all come together. But uh, I think you can safely say that 30 or 40 years from now, um, fossil fuels will have been relegated to a really minor part of the global energy infrastructure. And um, renewable sources will be the dominant forms of power generation. Mm -hmm. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, the trend is the trend and a trend in motion stays in motion until it's stopped. And it's a question of economics. I mean, my brother-in-law in Arizona has got a whole solar cell setup, but the government paid like a third of the cost of the inst installation, but he's saving like 30, 40 bucks a month and selling power back to the power company, they don't like that at all. Mm -mm. That <laughs> well, that, that's another part of the story is utilities are pushing back because they're threatened by this. You know, if you um, down there in Florida uh, put solar panels on your roof and then batteries in your basement, you charge the batteries during the daytime, you run them at night. We don't have basements. You hardly basements. need the grid at all. Yeah, yeah. we don't have oh, wait, any that's basements. Right. You don't have basements. <laughs> Everything's on right. a slab here, but in, I know what you're saying. In your fourth spare bedroom. Yeah. Yeah, put, fill it full of batteries. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, and, and you end up not needing to be on the grid at all. And that, that means utilities have all these fixed costs that they've got to cover mm -hmm. with fewer yeah. and fewer customers. And it's existentially mm -hmm. disastrous for them. You know, it's a, it's a life-threatening oh, situation. Yeah. So they're, they're pushing back. But I think everybody works it out in the end. You know, there, there are deals that can be cut that make it possible for solar and wind to be attractive to people. Yeah. And, um, and, and also attractive to the uh, the existing electric utilities so that, you know, it'll happen. These guys will, will accommodate each other and uh, and we'll see the, the new technology spread to the extent that their costs make it worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's got to happen. Um, and I'm not just talking about oil scarcity. I don't believe we're really going to run out of oil. It will get more expensive because as it gets harder to obtain, right now what we're having is an anomalous situation. Uh, but 
we're going to see the supply picture tighten in the future. So, hey, if we can uh, do generate, well, the fact is electrical generation consumes very little oil, not used for oil. Oil's just not used for electrical generation uh, in very many places left in the U.S. Other than some plants that are in place that haven't been converted to natural gas, um, older plants that can't be or it's not economically feasible, and certain peaker plants, as they call them, where you, uh, when consumption really hits high levels, then you put on the peaker plants and they generate uh, electricity and take uh, some of the burden off the grid. So once you uh, once you get past that, um, you know it's it just has to happen. There's really really little uh, little choice. Uh, pollution wise, I think it will be a net plus in the long run. But it's pretty exciting to be living through these times where we switch to a new energy source, and you see it happening. You recognize the trend before it happened. Not that you can necessarily make any money off of this. Well, yeah, that's that's the problem with uh, with really high growth industries is they the industry itself is doing great, it's spreading and everything, but the uh, the suppliers of the uh, product, whatever it is, um, tend to be in a really competitive market where everybody's prices are falling and and it's hard to tell who the winners and losers are going to be ahead of time and and accept that there will be more losers than winners. So, you know, you could have lost your shirt by buying the early computer makers, for instance. And uh, the microchip companies are always, you know, heading into some kind of a supply glut that sends their prices way down, even though the industry itself is growing like crazy. Solar is um, similar to that. It's got a lot of players with a lot of new technologies coming along. Everybody's seeing higher sales, but a a lot of of the, the biggest players are not seeing higher profits. So it's hard to make money in this kind of a, a an industry as an investor, but it's a lot of fun to watch from a safe distance. You know, this is fascinating, and we've we've seen some revolutions lately that have ended up going a lot more quickly than than looked reasonable at the beginning. You know, when uh, digital cameras first came along, um, they, they looked kind of like a a novelty. And um, 20 years later, they own the market and uh, smartphones. And, you know, in the mid-2000s, they were a rich guy's toy. And now everybody has one. And the old kinds of phones are going extinct. So uh, it's conceivable that the same thing will happen with uh, alternative energy and fossil fuels, where the transition will be a lot faster than than seems likely right now. And that would be fun, you know, unless you're uh, an oil company. It's a really interesting prospect. (laughs) And just to talk about smartphones, uh, one of the guys that I hang out with at Starbucks in the morning, like he is a technical uh, uh, Luddite. I mean, he's just fought it and fought it and fought it. So I knew, John, that that smartphones had become mainstream when he got one. I mean, he might have gotten it. It might be a Metro One smartphone (laughs) that has like, you know, like no capacity to do anything. But once he got it, I said, okay, these things are mainstream. He is the uh, ultimate holdout. And uh, that's that. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. And and see, now he, he will become a convert. You know, he'll he'll play with his new phone yeah. and then he'll, he'll want to step right up to the newest Apple next time around. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I believe yeah. you're correct. So all this is good. It all bodes well for uh for all of us here and uh i think 
combine these things with smartphones, able to control these things remotely. It's a great thing. But in the meantime, we have to get through what's happening to us in the world here. Just like you mentioned in your article, cars were the sales of cars were booming during the Great Depression. There was still a Great Depression going on. Look what's going on in Portugal. Just uh, why don't you tell us, John, because you need a scorecard to tell the players. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, um, a fascinating time. And uh, Portugal is a really interesting story, mm -hmm. uh, among many interesting stories out there. But they uh, just recently had an election where they, um, they, they gave a majority to a coalition of left-wing um, parties. They're anti-austerity, uh, in some cases anti-NATO, and they want to um, um, nationalize a lot of the major industries. And um, they've got a parliamentary majority now. So it looks like they're going to get to form a government after a lot of wrangling. And it looks like that government will not go along with the austerity measures that the, uh, the European Union, that the Eurozone has imposed on the peripheral countries. Um, so basically, it's Greece all over again, only on a bigger scale. Yeah, much bigger. I mean, Portugal Portugal's not a huge economy, but it's several times the size of Greece and a more, I guess you would say, productive economy than, uh, than Greece. Well, well, yeah, it's not it's not in crisis the way Greece is. I mean, it's, it's numbers are still pretty scary. Unemployment is high and, and growth is slow, but um, it's it's not in a Great Depression, capital D depression, the yeah. way Greece is. But um, there also isn't anything on the horizon to pull them out of the uh, the recession that they're in because. Um, you know, they don't control their currency. They can't devalue the euro unilaterally. And so the only other way to get out from under the, the debts that are still accumulating there, you know, their debt to GDP ratio continues to go up, is to, uh, to cut their internal costs to the point where their labor is cheap enough that um, they can export stuff cheaply enough to generate growth. And that means that the, the whole adjustment comes on the back of working people. And right. hence the last election, you know, if you if you tell people you, you know, that, that they're going to get a 30 um, percent pay cut in order to fix the government's finances, yeah. they're going to be more likely to change the government than to go along with the 30 percent pay cut. And that's what happened. And so now um, what the new government probably wants to do is to dramatically increase government spending, run a bigger deficit, use that money to jumpstart the economy through public works spending and grow in that way. Uh, of course, that's in the long run, that's also a disaster because you, you increase the amount of government debt to the point where the government can't function with normal interest rates. And it then has to push its internal interest rates down to negative numbers, which distorts the market to the point where capitalism doesn't work anymore because the, uh, the pricing signals coming from interest rates and other markets don't send uh, correct information anymore. So you don't know how to allocate capital. So blah, blah, blah. You know, we, we've talked about this a few times, Kerry, and exactly. it's, it's just playing out now in a, a new place. Um, but it's about to play out everywhere because the only real solution for a country like Portugal is for the euro itself to be devalued really dramatically. And I think the Europeans are gradually coming to this conclusion that uh, they have to go um, go currency war big time here. You know, they've, they've got to um, 
cut the value of the euro by some really large percentage, uh, more than it has been. It's down by about 20%, or maybe 30% now after the dollar has spiked just lately versus the dollar. Uh, but that hasn't been enough. Europe isn't growing, its inflation is flat, and the peripheral countries are are starting to elect <laughs> left-wing uh, yeah. governments that, that aren't gonna go along with the uh, the dominant theme of European economic policy any longer. And so, you know, the same thing happened in, in Spain just now, where uh, a region accounting for one of Spain's GDP voted to secede and wants to become yeah. its own country. And, and you're going to see more and more of that as time goes on because it's not working now. You know, the, the system is set up to um, keep the bankers fat and happy yeah. and uh, at the expense of regular working people and uh, with the bank bail-ins that they've all got planned now for the next banking crisis, um, small depositors in banks. So the fact that it can't go on means that it won't go on. We'll see either a, a change from the top in economic policy, much much more aggressive QE, for instance, and negative interest rates and, um, and a, a, an attempt to devalue the euro, or we'll see it bubble up from below where every election is a throw the bums out event and installs somebody who's hostile to the dominant policies coming out of Brussels. Uh, and, and that's basically it. Those are the only two scenarios that, uh, that make any sense for Europe right now. So I, I think they'll take the path of least resistance, as governments always do, and aggressively try to devalue the euro in the year ahead. Yeah. Which means um, the U.S., if we intend to raise interest rates, we're playing into their hands. You know, that'll make the dollar even stronger and that will, you know, unilaterally devalue the euro, at least versus the dollar. So we'll be helping them out, but it'll come at the expense of our export industries and our regular working people. And so it can't last long here either. Yeah, no, it can't. I don't see how it could. Think about it. It's, it's uh, not a recipe for success. Right. Mm -hmm. it yeah. Really isn't. Yeah. Well, uh, and, and it's because we borrowed too much money. If, if you borrow too much money, you're only left with choices like this. Yeah. And uh, historically, um, the, the kinds of mistakes the whole developed world has made lately, historically, those mistakes have been made by individual countries mm -hmm. who then just devalued their currencies. You know, when Argentina makes its periodic financial mistakes and they, they just lop three zeros off the peso and life goes on. Well, we got the whole world in that same boat right now. And so it's not easy to see a solution that um, that is palatable to everybody when the whole developed world and a, a big part of the developing world are over leveraged. You know, what do you do? And it, it, Jim Rickards, whose analysis I, I really like, says that uh, eventually we'll figure out that the only thing we can devalue against all of us at once is gold. And so we'll have a mass devaluation and a return to some form of the gold standard. And so we'll have this burst of inflation when, um, you know, milk that used to cost $3 a gallon costs $9 a gallon and gasoline and rent and every, everything goes up, but it goes up and then it stops going up because we now have a sound currency that is once again linked to a real commodity like gold. And um, that, that doesn't sound like fun for most people. You know, if you are holding dollars when that happens, you lose half or a third or whatever of your nest egg. It's going to be a disaster. 
Yeah, but but it would it would leave us with a sustainable system going forward. So you know we, we don't have any pain free options, but this might be the least painful option, and, and it also leaves us with gold worth five thousand or ten thousand dollars an ounce, which is fine for gold bugs. You know that's yeah, that's sure. the most attractive Great. scenario I'll for somebody it. who's been stacking. I'll for take a while. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ten thousand an ounce. I'll take ten thousand. I would. Yeah make it worth 10 times more than it is now, purchasing power gets cut by a third, 50%, two thirds, but your value of your precious metal holdings goes up 10 times. I think uh, that's a great outcome, but I mean, it's going to be so much pain for the world. You're not going to be happy even no, no. matter how much. And, and then you stacked. don't know what governments will do about all this too. You know, whether yeah. they uh, impose a windfall profits tax on precious metal sales or, mm -hmm. or some kind of wealth confiscation or, you know, there, there are a lot of things they can do to, um, to kind of equalize the burden. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's not clear that just mm -hmm. owning a bunch of gold in that kind of scenario, it leaves you free and clear and rich. Because it's, yeah. it's completely possible that there's public policy stuff going on that, that disadvantage you and, you know, punish you for making the right decision. And that, yeah. that'd be kind of par for the course, wouldn't it, for the last 20 or 30 uh, years absolutely. where somebody who presumably made the right decision by saving a lot and investing conservatively in, uh, in you know, holding a lot of cash in a bank account or whatever is now being punished by government policy. Yeah. So the, the next stage of that might be that the people who made the right decision going forward by loading up on real things like gold and silver uh, will be punished in some way. So who knows? Oh, There's sure. really no way to know. Oh, it totally won't surprise me if that's the final yeah. scenario. Rewarding bad behavior. Government uh, has been doing that with alarming regularity for quite some time. It's getting worse. We'll get worse before it gets better. This you can be certain. Anyway, find John's work at dollarcollapse.com. Link is always found in the show notes to this interview on financialsurvivalnetwork.com. Take a look at the site while you're there. Our webmaster, Stefan, works for hours every day, finding you articles like John's explaining what's going on here and what you need to do to be prepared for the inevitable. John, we will talk with you next week. Thanks, Gary. Talk to you then. FSN Radio. It's all about what's next. Go to FinancialSurvivalNetwork.com and sign up for your free weekly newsletter. You'll also get three free reports. The Financial Survival Network. It's all about what's next. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.